There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Suck it! Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE with new interviews with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Rollbeck, and we're coming to you every Tuesday and Thursday to talk everything NFL Draft. As always, check out the Ringer NFL Draft Guide at nfldraft.theringer.com. We've got DK's mock draft is coming there, I think, next week. We've got DK yep. is doubling the big board this week at some point. I don't know exactly when that's Not going doubling. up. Not doubling. It's from- going up to 75, um, and I think it's later this week, a little bit later this week. TBD exact date, but yeah. Beautiful. Check that out. NFLdraft.thereno.com. Give us a, like a, pre- a preview. Give us like a spicy check out by <laughs> Top 75 because this person is here. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. <laughs> My guy, Nick Bonito. I'm all about Nick Medino. Uh, Boy Mafe. A couple pass Big rushers. Nick rising Bonito up. guy? I do like him. He's explosive. Right. A little bit uh, maybe undersized. Not very good against run, but explosive as hell. Boy Mafe from Minnesota. I'm trying to look down my list here. Ooh, Sky Moore, Western Michigan, mm. makes the list. Uh, wow, wow. There's a bunch of this stuff. It's going to be really fun. Go check it I out. I am with you on Nick Bonita. I am not with you on Boye Mafe. You I think can't he's, get my head uh, around that. He's traits, baby. He's all about traits. Here's the thing. I've seen better traits. So we're going <laughs> to... But anyway, yeah. I got to bust okay. out the Oscars music again, boys. Come on. Just, let's just, titillating. <laughs> just titillating stuff right here. You see why we waited to focus on the top 50, generally speaking. Okay. We're going to get into a couple big things that shaked up the draft. Shook up? Shake? I don't know why I said shaked. Shook. Shook up the draft. I'm I'm shooketh. The Eagles and Saints made a trade. Now, Solak is an Eagles fan from Eastern Pennsylvania. We're going to leash Solak right now. And we're going to like tie him up around the chair, like the leg of a chair, and just going to make sure he can't attack right now. Woof. And I'm going to get through that. (laughs) So... Of course, Adam Schefter broke broke the deal, and just I'm just going to read the Schefter tweet just for the hell of it. Just word soup. Trade all caps colon Eagles <laughs> sending picks number sixteen, number nineteen, and number one ninety four in the sixth round to the Saints in exchange for pick number eighteen, number one hundred one in the third round, number two thirty seven in the seventh round, and all caps a twenty twenty three first round pick and twenty twenty four second round pick, comma per sources Saints now at sixteen nineteen semicolon Ooh, Eagles wow. at fifteen comma eighteen period. Love when he sneaks in a semicolon. Yeah, we so, love that. I don't know about you guys and how you process information. I have never, literally never, been able to read a trade, a sentence with like five picks and figured out what the trade was. Yeah. So then Schefter helpfully tweeted a Photoshop that basically explained it. The Saints <laughs> get 16, 19, and 194. The Eagles get 18, 101. It's still confusing. You want to you want to hear? I got. I saw on The Athletic, apologies, I can't remember who the author was, they laid it out very easily for my mind to understand what happened. Do you want me to just tell you how to think about this trade? Yes. Yeah, sure. Okay. Think about it this way. The Eagles traded their sixth round pick to move from 19 to 18. The Saints traded a 22 second, uh, 22 third rounder 
a 2022 seventh rounder, a 2023 first rounder, and a 2024 second rounder for number 16. So in other words, a, a first, second, third, and seventh for number 16. Does that make sense? I'm still confused. This is the way I my, thought of it. My, my, my turn. My try. You ready? Okay, Here yeah, we go. you go. We all get, this is like two jargons, one lie. We all just <laughs> exactly. get it. Which one's the fake trade? <laughs> okay. 18 and 19, just erase those. They're the exact same thing. <laughs> don't, don't, don't give a hoot. All right? okay. Shut Thank up. It don't you, matter. Uh, the, the Eagles sent their sixth this year to the Saints. The Saints sent their seventh back. Erase that. It's day three picks. Yeah. It's like 40 pick difference. They don't matter. Yeah. All right. The Saints gave the Eagles this year's third, next year's first. And then a 2024 second for the 16th overall pick this year. Yeah. Can I go now? <laughs> Craig. Eagles planning for the future. Saints getting stuff right now. Yeah. Yes. Well done. Look at all Saul. Okay. So if I'm going to, I'm going to try to wrap that all. The Saints traded. The Saints got a first for a future first, a future second and a third. And that's basically it. So I think that it's actually, we could, I like yeah. how we boiled that down and down and down. That's basically what this is. It's as Craig said, the Eagles are like, we're going to push at this in the future. And the Saints, in my mind, are basically saying, we're just going for it. I feel like the Saints have no patience. The Saints are always thinking short term. And I think the Saints basically sized up the NFC and were like, all these teams suck. Everyone got worse. The only team that's actually going for it this year is the Bucks, who the Saints beat twice last year. And uh, the Bucks are running it back with Tom Brady and everything. The Saints are like, screw that. You're making a Super Bowl run? No, we're going to make a Super Bowl run. And I think that they're just going to try to replace Ron Armstead at left tackle. I don't think they're getting a quarterback. I don't think they're uh, doing any of that. We can get to the Saints in a second. But Eagles, Solak, I'm unleashing you. How did you feel when the Eagles made this trade? Great. We've talked about this. Well, actually, first, confusion. And then I pulled out my <laughs> spreadsheets and my calculator. Like, right, what yeah. happened here? Yes. Great. And this is, we talked about this on the show previously, and this has been the vibe for, I think, a lot of Eagles fans. It, this is not the sort of draft that you want to have three first round picks in. If you could choose to have three first round picks in a draft that you think is bad, which is the general consensus of this draft, or in like a draft of just completely indeterminate quality, next year is a total mystery. You would choose next year because. The Peter Griffin box? Yes. On average, that. <laughs> unidentified draft class is probably going to be better because it's going to be average than this draft class, which is bad. And so you, you push one of those first round picks into the future and you say, all right, next year, if there is a quarterback that we want to trade up for, if there's a veteran quarterback, we want to go acquire. If we get it with Jalen hurts and we, we, we have better clarity on what is a really, really, really young roster in Philadelphia. We'll know our, our spots, our needs a little bit more. That's when we want to have those first round picks. So by, by, Pushing a first round pick into the future, the Eagles are, I think, appropriately understanding both their timeline as a team. They're not getting suckered in by the fact that they made the playoffs. They know they're a young team. They know they're a growing team. And they are appropriately judging the relative quarterback classes. 2022 is not the year to have the trade-up package to go get a quarterback. If there's going to be a year for that, it, it's more likely to be 2023. It seems the Saints disagree because certainly on the table for the Saints now is that they trade up for a quarterback in this year's draft. And if they have a guy they love, sure. Go for it. That's fine. But off my understanding of the class and the, and the consensus estimation of the class, it is a bad class. It is preferable to be on the Eagles side here and, and to be looking towards the future to go make your, your big trades and your big moves for quarterback. Also, in addition to that, there's this chance and it's, I think, a solid chance. The Saints are just a dumpster fire this year. And this draft pick ends up being a top 10 pick in 2023. Right. Um, kind of yeah. like what we saw with, you know, the Seahawks in, in trading for Jamal Adams. They When they made that trade, they didn't think that they were going to be a top 10 pick. Turns out it was a couple of years later because everything fell apart. Um, you know, there's been examples of this over the years. The Dolphins thought they were a contending team and they traded future first and then they tanked. So yeah. I think this is Roseman again not only pushing things out, but like sort of, sort of rolling the dice or at least expecting there's a chance this could be a really high pick, which would, would yeah. you know, elevate the value even more. Yeah. Kevin Cole at PFF tweeted about this when the trade happened, which I think it's a stats term called asymmetrical value, where basically like the, the, the pick the Eagles traded was 16. It's literally the middle pick of the first round. It is average. If the saints are better, right. If the saints are, are better than the average team. And that pick goes from 16 to 24. Okay, not great, but like that's kind of fine. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Whatever. You're not really losing that much going from 16 to 24. If the Saints are below average and that pick goes from 16 to 8, that jump is huge. It is substantial relative to the drop off of 16 to 24. So trading for that future first and taking that bet on a team being bad is generally a good idea because all right, if you miss the bet, whatever, 16 to 24 kind of sucks. If you hit 16 to 8, huge, 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 huge win for your team. 
So that makes a ton of sense. And I, I want to actually jump around to listener email because it's something that you said so lack. And you basically were saying that if you want picks in a draft, you kind of don't want this draft. So I want to read an email from Dominic who says draft people are talking about how this is not a good year for prospects just all around quarterbacks, every other position. Why is that? A lot of the prospects seem like great talent. One of the most athletic classes we've seen. What makes so many people look at this class and just go, eh? I, I think it's a little bit law of big of numbers. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you're just going to get a, a bad class, right? Like, like just, you know, the, the, the dice are not going to fall your way. The athletic thing is in my opinion, a little bit of a red herring. I think not every class is going to be the most athletic class for forever and forever and forever. But in reality, like, the, the bad tests, short shuttle, three cone that we see at the combine that are run at 11 p.m. at night. Nobody's just doing them anymore. You know what I mean? Like, right. like and, and training has gotten so much better and so much more specified that classes are always going to test well. So most athletic doesn't really register for me in the same way that it, it may have had in like, like 10, 15 years ago, whatever. Um, the reason we're talking about it is not a great class is because it, it isn't. You know what I mean? That's kind of why like teams have numerical grading scales, right? If you ever see those behind the scenes draft videos and you get to look at one of those like player tag names it's like Trevor Lawrence quarterback Jags 8.0 right they have this numerical grading scale so that way they can compare the, the relative strength of classes right like all right this this class had three guys above an eight well this this class just on on those numerical grading scales that remain objective year over year this class just doesn't really uh, hold the same water right so it's, I yeah. think to me it's just a roll of the dice thing a couple other things I think that are variables here and judging how good a class is number one this quarterback class is deemed and and i would back it up at this point like i i'm i was telling i fits this morning i'm like i'm kind of just out on this quarterback class like none <laughs> of them really excite me anymore like i think malik willis is very intriguing but he has such a low floor too that i'm just kind of out you go back at last few years we've had some really like exciting potentially elite quarterbacks that will definitely elevate a draft class and push guys down further for other teams that don't need quarterbacks. So it's just more exciting for everyone else. Now you're going to have like all the top guys go off in the top 10 probably. Um, and then two, or another part of this is the fact that there just aren't as many like top tier blue chip elite, elite considered prospects in this class, which is I think pulling down the overall feeling of the class. And number three, which I think is a big part of it is the 2020 season, the COVID shortened season really fucked everything up in terms of like evaluations, um, creating benchmarks to, <clears throat> excuse me, creating benchmarks to evaluate these guys based on uh, previous classes. You know, the 2020 season is more or less just like a wash, it feels like, because some people, some teams didn't play a full season. You know, there, a lot of guys opted out. You're still getting guys coming back after opting out in 2020. They played in 2021. Um, maybe that their, maybe their development wasn't quite what you'd expect or whatever. So like the 2020 season, I think really screwed up the class um, and the perception of the class and like the overall, like typical, like journey that some of these guys make. Um, And I think that's kind of affecting, like maybe not necessarily the quality of the class, but just the perception of the class. That's interesting because the other thing about the COVID year in terms of this class is like, I don't think Pickett's a first rounder without the extra year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Hutchinson probably is because of testing, but he ain't a top five player without the mm-hmm. extra year of eligibility. Ritter ain't nowhere near round one without extra year. Like, like, yes, it threw a monkey wrench in a lot of things, but also a lot of the top guys are only here because they got the extra year. And right. so it does, it, but it does make it weird because also they're super old and super old prospects get discounted. So mm-hmm. it, it throws it off. Well, and then maybe that's perhaps why this is a weak class if everyone's like these late year, late in their yeah. college career players. Yeah. So I think... It makes a ton of sense with all that said, why the Eagles basically took looked at their three first round picks and were like, let's punt one of these into next year when everything's going to be better. So with that said, Solak, Eagles still have two first round picks. They've got uh, mm-hmm. 15 and 18. They need a bunch of things. They need an inside linebacker. They need safety. They need cornerback. They need edge rusher. They need receiver. They need basically edge rusher plus everything they've always needed for four or five years. What do you want them to do now at 15 and 18? Want. Uh, I would like defensive football players who can be <laughs> on the football team playing Jesse's playing football with on the defense where they stop people with defense. Uh, <laughs> somebody put in the, um, in the replies to the Schefter tweet, you know, I like people who just like want Twitter clout, just like reply in Schefter's yeah. tweet and hope yeah. that they get a bunch of retweets and whatever. Somebody put the Eagles projected starting defense for this year. And I wish I had saved and I forgot to, but along the defensive line at linebacker, and at, at corner and safety in the secondary, it is the exact same unit 
as they had last year. They lost Alex Singleton in free agency. And then they tried to get corners and they tried to get safeties. They were in on Marcus Webbs. They were in on Marcus May. Nobody came. So they re-signed Derek Barnett and they brought back Anthony Harris. And it is the whole same unit. And this defense was abysmal last year. <laughs> so you add Hassan Redick. That's your one big ad. And in the back seven, it's exactly the same. So I would love to see linebacker. They're never going to do it because of Howie. So if you can get a corner, Kyrie mm-hmm. out of Florida. Uh, if you're getting McDuffie out of Washington, it's probably a little bit early for him, but whatever. Uh, if you can get a safety, right? If you're willing to take a Lewis scene that earlier, trade back a little bit, take him in the twenties out of Georgia, Kyle Hamilton falls. Cause apparently that's a thing. Uh, you go ahead and you take one of those players. Like Hamilton would, would unlock this defense in a way that you can't even begin to describe. Like these players are critical. They're not going to do that. They're going to take a wide receiver and a player along the defensive line. But I would love to see them go in the back seven. And I will dream about that until April 28th when they shatter my dreams. I keep putting Karloftis to the Eagles. Uh, even going back to when they had three first rounders, um, I would always do some combination, I feel like, of corner, receiver, and edge rusher, like you said. And, and mm-hmm. Karloftis and McDuffie always seem to... Karloftis is an edge rusher from Purdue. He's a very athletic guy, kind of like a power rusher, not super bendy. Um, but he kind of, I don't know, what, what's your, what would be your take on that if they got Karloftis? I would, I would like it. Karloftis a little bit freaks me out. I was comping him to Trey Hendrickson. Mm-hmm before Aiden Hutchinson measured in with like some of the shortest arms ever. And Karloftis actually <laughs> came in a little bit longer than I thought. But Karloftis, he doesn't play with a lot of length. Like like DK said, he doesn't play with a lot of bends. But when he gets you at a phone booth, he beats you at a phone booth. And he does it consistently. That would that would track for what the Eagles liked with Roseman. With Gannon, it's a little bit different. Gannon and, and with the Colts typically have is a little bit like longer, bendier guys, guys who are a little bit quicker. Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat are now their starters. I'd right. be surprised if they went edge early to be frank with you now with with the reddit contract i think defensive tackle because they you gotta remember cut fletcher cox there for like two minutes this offseason uh, and they don't have a plan behind him so i think defensive tackle is very possible i think corner and wide receiver would be my guess for what the two picks end up being they're gonna they're gonna do like they've done a a round two or better wide receiver in the last three classes jj think white side jalen rager Devontae smith they're gonna do it again <laughs> they yeah. have to because the receiver room is one of the worst in the league they couldn't get any free agents they tried none of them came so they signed zach pascal and this whole pushing a, uh, the first round pick a year into the future means that they're evaluating Jalen Hurts for another year. Mm. If you're doing that, you got to get him actual freaking football players, baby. Can't be thrown at the great ward if we want to know if this guy's good or not. So they're like wide receiver in the first round again for the third consecutive year is absolutely 100%. I would say not only a possibility, I would say it's the most likely mm. position they pick in the first round right now. Who do you think makes the most sense for that spot? Because there's there's six guys that have been roundly mocked to the first round or whatever, and um, but you say mocked like made different. fun of or mocked like mock drafted because I actually mock drafted. Okay. Um, Some of those players who get mocked say? in the first round, I then mock those picks, but that's just a little bit too much mockception. That'll be the next episode <laughs> of our DK's yeah. mock draft. We're gonna be mocking DK's mock draft. That's what we're gonna be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who do you like the most? Idiot. Um, London, if he makes it, don't think he does. Uh, mm-hmm. They they need a ball winner. They need a guy who can play on the outside. Uh, Devontae Smith, impressive beating press, impressive downfield, but it's not what you don't want to be hanging your hat on that when the guy's like 175 pounds. You'd rather that be like a cool thing he can do as right. opposed to we need this to survive. Um, and they wanted to throw a lot of vertical balls and they wanted to throw the ball outside of the numbers. So Drake London is perfect if he's there. If not, my man, Traylon Burks, makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. They like to throw the That'd ball be behind the line of scrimmage. They try to get that role with Jalen Rager. It wasn't working for Rager. And then also Burks can play on the outside. So Burks at 15 to 19 is very interesting, especially because uh, Burks ain't making a pass Cowboys at 24. Right. Cowboys are not hiding this. Yeah. It is, this Jerry Jones is from the University of Arkansas. <laughs> And they brought Burks in for a, a top uh, player visit, which they always bring in their first round picks for player visits since like 2013 or whatever. They're going to take Burks. He's there at 24. This is like the big open secret right now. And yes, in the draft is they and love you got to remember the Cowboys snagged CeeDee Lamb from the Eagles a couple years ago. And so Revenge. if the Eagles have a chance to take Burks before he gets to 24 with Dallas, they're going to do that and they're going to love it. Burke sounds good on the Eagles. We should talk about Jalen Hurts a little bit too. So now, like you said, Ben, you get another year of him and the next year mm-hmm. with the quarterback class is a lot better. The Eagles are going to have two first round picks in next year's draft. And that now makes it five teams that are going to have two first round picks in the 2023 draft. And a lot of the teams suck. It's like the Lions, the, sorry, the Seahawks, it's DK. It's the Dolphins, Texans, Seahawks, Lions, and Eagles. Right. So the quarterback market is going to be 
hot and heavy next year with all those teams. Are you mm -hmm. happy, Ben, that you get one more year of Jalen Hurts? He obviously showed a lot of flashes last year. I feel like this is kind of the perfect window yep. to either decide if you're in or you're out. When people ask me at the end of the season, like, what, what, what's the book on Jalen Hurts right now? I said, he played well enough that you can take him to be quarterback next year, and it's absolutely justifiable. Nobody will blink, right? If he, like, was worse... And you tried to, you know, do the Deshaun Watson thing and try to do the Russell Wilson thing and didn't. And you're like, oh, we're bringing it with Jalen Hurts. People, people would be like, this is bad. Like, you failed. But Hurts was good enough that you can try all that and everybody gets it. And then when it doesn't work, everybody's like, yeah, so we're going to do another year of Jalen Hurts. We'll see if he can keep getting better. And Hurts has gotten better in six consecutive seasons, going back to his freshman year at Alabama, which is incredible, right? His work ethic is off the charts. So it's exactly the sort of position you want to be in when you're waiting for the one. You know what I mean? He's just there. You're just treading water with Jalen Hurts. He's reliable. He's impressive. He handles his business. He's great on a mic. He's great in a locker room. And then when you flip him for a second round pick next year and you trade up for CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, everybody's going to get it because Hertz is, is a limited player. He's good at what he does. If they bring in a guy like a Traylon Burks and, and they, they develop more of this behind the line of scrimmage college style offense, they can be another decent offense. They can be another like near, you know, top 10, like between 10 and 16 offense again. Cool. But you just know there's a ceiling on that. So I'm perfectly fine with another year. So long as we're still honest about what the evaluation is on Hertz by the end of the 2022 season. It doesn't feel like when the Giants bring back Daniel Jones every year and everybody kind of goes, Ugh, they grunt, oh, yeah. great. Like, this is like, oh, yeah, Jalen Hurts <laughs> needs one more year. Like, I, I, he's been good enough. Sorry, Heifetz. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not, you're not sorry. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it, it's very true, especially because of the relative draft capital. When it took Daniel Jones at six, like, oh, this better work. When the Eagles took Hertz at 53... It was, oh, this better work because they had Carson Wentz and then Wentz left and Wentz has been horrible. And so it's kind of like a oh, feel-good story for Jalen Hurts. And that that trend will keep riding. Everybody loves a feel-good Jalen Hurts story because Jalen Hurts is the freaking man. He's awesome. He's so much fun to root for. And that's why everybody's okay with just, yep, another year Jalen. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Yeah, there are a lot of teams that decided to kind of, they fished around for a quarterback and decided to just do a holding pattern. It's like the Dolphins figuring out what they got with Tua, the Eagles doing the Hurts, the Giants doing the Daniel Jones, the Falcons are just doing a year of whatever with Mariota. And then there is the other team in this trade, which is the Saints, who fished around for a different quarterback. And they were like, ah, screw it, let's go back with Jameis Winston, even though he's recovering from that ACL tear. And I feel like they're not going to take a quarterback, though. I really do feel like they're doubling down and they're just really trying to go for it in the NFC. I mean, either you disagree, like Solek or DK, do you guys think they might take a quarterback? Because my gut here is that they're just trying to load up and they want a left tackle and either they package those two picks to trade up or they just want two starters. I So I don't know if they're going to take a quarterback. I do think, it to me, it feels weird that they would trade all this stuff, a first, a second, a third, or whatever, how whatever the package is, first, second, third, and seventh over a course of several years. That feels like a fucking shitload to give up to pick up some random mid-round first-round pick where you but don't know who's do going to be there. You don't know who's going to be there. It's going to be like the third or fourth or fifth tackle on the board. I think what they're doing, it feels to me like there's another shoe is going to drop. They're going to package these two picks they have in the first round now to move up. Yep. And the reason that they traded to get into the middle of the first round is because some team in the top five or top eight or whatever it is going to be would be happy to move back if they're picking up two first rounders, in other words, rather than like, oh, we're trying to get we're trying to get to the top five with like some random player that we have that might not work with a lot of teams. What they did is they went and got two mid round first rounders and they're, I, it feels to me like they're going to use those to package and move up into the top five or top eight or whatever it is. Um, 
from there, so like that's just an assumption I'm making. That's a logic leap. I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's how it feels to me. From there, I don't actually know if it's going to be to trade up to pick a fucking quarterback. The Saints are the wild card of wild cards when it comes to trading up. Like the general rule is you don't trade up, you don't give away future firsts to take a non quarterback, but they do it. They've done it. And I was told uh, before this trade went down, someone was like, I think they're going to trade up and take a tackle. (laughs) So maybe this is actually for a tackle because you're going to have to trade in the top five to get one of the elite tackles in this class. I think it's either going to be a tackle or a quarterback. Um, well, I was going to say, they, as you alluded to, DK, literally like three years ago, in 2019 was three years ago. That's really tough for me personally. But uh, in 2019, they traded up a first round pick. They traded a future first to move what, like seven spots, eight spots up with the Packers to get Marcus Davenport, mm-hmm. who's a defensive end. And the Packers traded back, picked up a first, and they drafted Jair Alexander, the cornerback out of, I think, Louisville. Yeah. Who might be a better player outright, and they got oh, the extra well, first round pick. <laughs> and it's you know it it's one of those things where I don't think that just because they made such an aggressive move, they're going quarterback. I actually agree with you, DK. I think that during during the tackle spot, I was talking to someone. I think you know, and they made a really good point that the only thing I'm confused about is why they the Saints did this early. Because if you're gonna, as you're saying, trade it for a player, two things. One, why wouldn't you wait to see if the player's still on the board or falls? And then two, did you really need this other pick to make that trade? Like, isn't your first this year, your first next year, a second, a third, like all these other picks that you have up? Isn't that like a better trade package than what they just have now? To tra- That's the part of this I don't understand. Yeah. And as much as I try to understand what NFL teams do, the Saints are like impossible. I kind of thought this crazy, we're just living on the bleeding edge every year is like the last year we're going to do this was like going to end when Sean Payton stepped away and I'm kind of amazed that the Saints are still living this life in the fast lane, honestly. Right, right. Like when Sean Payton and Drew Brees were enabling Mickey Loomis to just go all in every year. Yeah. You were like, yeah. And now it's Dennis Allen and Jameis Winston. And Mickey's still like, I did not give a hoop, brother. We out here. We live in, which I greatly appreciate. We don't uh, know if we're going to be alive at this time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mickey yeah. Loomis is a big anarchist. He's not sure if anything's real. Um, the, uh, yeah, that Marcus Davenport trade is... It's, firstly, it's hilarious to look back on. The, yeah. the, the, the Saints went from uh, 27 to 13 to go get Marcus Davenport. It's a big then, the, then the Packers, yeah. with that 27th pick, traded up to 18 overall to get Jair. DK, who had the 18th overall pick? And Was who did the they Seahawks? then pick at 27? Oh, did they take LJ Coll- or Collier or the guy who never Rashawn played? Penny. Oh, oh Penny. Oh, oh my God, Penny! A hilarious sequence of trades for three separate NFC contenders at the time. But whatever. The fact that it happened now, as opposed to draft day, is what's interesting to me. Because on draft day, the second they made the trade, everybody was like, this is Lamar. It, you don't trade a future first on draft day. Mm-hmm. You're moving up because Lamar is falling. That guy's falling. Let's go get him. You don't do that. But apparently the Saints do. And they, they do it for a non-quarterback. They do it for Marcus Davenport, which makes calibrating to this trade really tough. What What... Leads me to believe that quarterback is a high possibility. I would put it at less than 50%, but still like 40% chance they're they're going for a quarterback. Is what we've talked about previously, Heifetz. It's bad class. Nobody wants any of these quarterbacks. But if you really do want one of them, trading this year is going to be a lot cheaper than it was in years past. And so, all right, you trade a future first and a future second to get another pick in this first round. And then you trade both of those, but also maybe not. Like, what if they love Corral? And all they're going to do is move from what? Like, six, 16 to 12 to go get okay, him. But that, and then you okay. still have the first round pick. Because the part of this I'm confused by, too, is if we're taking your logic to the extreme here. And th- we're kind of down the wormhole. But not really, because if they want a quarterback, this is totally the scenario. And the quarterbacks are falling to them. I, I, and the, the Corral thing is totally possible. They have to move up because they, they got um, 16 from the Eagles. The Eagles had 15, 16, and 19. But like the Eagles are still ahead of them. Mm-hmm. So the Eagles could still literally, even though the Eagles just got this pick from these picks from the Saints, the Saints are still behind Philadelphia and they can still be like, hey, we're going to take other offers for the quarterback you want. You're going to have to move up again. Like you might have to move up another spot with us. Like if the Saints are going to do this, why at the very least wouldn't you move up to 15 with the Eagles and like eliminate the possibility of the Eagles like selling you out? And like, you know what I mean? Like the Pats oh, yeah, just yeah. waited for Mac Jones at 15 and got him. 
but the Saints now are kind of like, well, the Eagles might not take a quarterback, but the Eagles might trade down. I don't know. The whole thing's weird to me. I don't run an NFL team. There's probably a lot of reasons for that, but I, hey, I, I don't what know. What do you think of the idea of the Saints trading up to number five with the Giants for those two middle rounds? I was actually thinking that. It's yeah, like, sure, they'd have to like, steal why? Kenny Pickett from Carolina. And exactly. Sure, exactly. Do the Saints really need to do that? Like DK, ten minutes ago, you were like, "I'm out on these quarterbacks." Why do that? I'm not running the Saints. If you if, if you just <laughs> if you really like one of them, if you do like yeah. them, then trading this year is probably going to be cheaper, right? You can, you can go and 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 make the move and set yourself up and have the flexibility of another first round pick and yada yada whatever. Listen, it's bad if Mickey Loomis decides the future of the Saints is Kenny Pickett. It's objectively horrible, and I'm going to laugh. <laughs> I get why he thinks he can do this because he's never he's done anything he's wanted for the last 10 years and never died this is like the fact that the saints and eagles make this trade is two perfect examples of what gms with job security do whatever they want (laughs) you know you're going to be there next year so go for it i think you're right and howie roseman just got a contract extension which is why they're doing it and craig had the oscars music he'd be playing us off i think the other part of this is like teams look at different charts like chart arbitrage this is like my new obsession is like the the large majority of the league still they teams have draft pick charts and they assign each pick a value so that they can figure it's like a calculator and that's how they do the math of what these picks are worth. Somehow, some way, the majority of teams still use the chart Jimmy Johnson used like forty years ago for the Cowboys, which is literally older than free agency God itself. Damn, was that already forty years ago? Jeez. So I know. Right. And so, I mean, it's older than free agency. The chart is older than this collective bargaining agreement, which lowered the artificially lowered the salary of rookies and changed the value of picks themselves. It's insane. But most teams use this and the handful of teams that are smart, the Eagles, one of which are one of them that use like new modern charts that don't undervalue the second, third, fourth, fifth round picks. This seems like the Eagles literally just like lined up something that kind of made sense on this Jimmy Johnson chart and totally made total sense on their real chart. It's like, you ever been in a fantasy draft where some people are just using like the wrong, like the settings Trade are changed calculator. and no one really yeah. knew mm-hmm. and then it adjusted. <laughs> it's like showing up to the PPR draft and you don't know it's PPR. That's kind of what the Saints did in this deal. I don't know. I, I feel like that really isn't the core of what's going on. Plus what Solik said at the beginning about pushing draft picks into the future. Anyway, there was another trade that was made since we last did our pod, which was the Patriots traded for Devontae Parker, oh, yeah. the receiver from the Dolphins. And then I can't say that word, so like just, you know, a lot of listeners really hate that I say Dolphins. Dolphins? New York comes out. Anyway. Very sad island of you. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't say that. But anyway, <laughs> Patriots get Devontae Parker. The Do- <laughs> Miami gets the 2022 fifth rounder and then a third rounder next year. We kind of love Devontae Parker. I don't know if, I mean, Craig is obsessed with Devontae Parker. I first of all, I want to hear if you guys believe Devontae Parker has juice because obviously the Dolphins had Tyreek Hill and don't need him a ton anymore. Do you guys think Devontae Parker could actually be like a legit number one for the Patriots or are we just too obsessed with him? What do you think? So like, I, I, I would one. like to hear why uh, Craig loves Devontae Parker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing analytical. Every time I watch him, I think he's better than we think he is. I know he kind of gets hurt a lot and I, I mean, he's had no help in Miami for his entire career, but the times when Devontae Parker has somebody who can somewhat throw him an accurate football, I think he's an underrated number one wide receiver, and I, I enjoy him. I very much appreciate that explanation because I'm currently in the throes of the Nicole Jokic, Joel Embiid MVP debate in the NFL, mm-hmm. and all of Sixers Twitter is just full of that boy can ball memes because <laughs> Jokic has all these incredible advanced stats, and like it beats like second and third. It's like, yeah, but watch him. Yeah. Embiid's awesome. And that boy can ball. And that's the Devontae Parker <laughs> argument. I... Love a good ball winner. Every team needs one. Uh, great to have a guy who can just go up and win a contested catch, especially when your quarterback maybe doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. Cough, cough, Mac Jones, and cough. Third round pick? Seems a bit steep. I'd rather spend a third round pick on a guy who's five, six years younger and has a similar skill set and doesn't have an injury history. I think you could have done that. So, sure. But also, Belichick's history of trading for and drafting receivers is just every every Rough. subsequent move is another hit for uh, for Belichick and wide receivers. Does it kind of feel just like this is what all they had left on the market? So they just <sighs> got Devontae Parker because they're like, yeah, he's good enough and there's no one really left we can get. It feels like that. And it also feels like this guy mossed Stephon Gilmore once and I watched it happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that that whenever it's like it's a team getting a guy who used to be in their division so so often 
They had it's, a good game against. We had them. a really good game against yeah. us. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. it just sticks in your mind. One hundred percent. So, like, I think the most underrated part of how teams build their teams is what else is going on in the division. Yeah. I think the Saints did this trade with the Eagles because the Bucks brought Tom Brady back, and I think that one hundred percent Devontae Parker has one good game against the Pats. I, I mean, it's probably why the Niners traded up for Trey Lance because Matt Stafford went to the Rams. Yeah, it's personal. Like <laughs> yeah. people really underrate that. It, yeah. It's and it's people personal. underrate. The guy having a good slash bad performance when you were there. Yeah, totally. It, it shouldn't matter. Certain person. But I'm telling you, like, like in terms of your own mental biases, go watch one random football game of a team you don't root for. And don't tell me you pick a player or a coach or a unit or a team from that game. And all of a sudden, just that you care about them more than you should. Like the right? cut of his jib. I watched uh, a when Derek Rose was when I was in school in Chicago. Derrick Rose was super, super injured and had one like incredible game. Like it was a season full of injuries. He had one incredible game against Golden State. And from that moment on, I was like, you know, it's playing a lot better than I thought. Derrick Rose. I watched no subsequent Bulls games, <laughs> but I was positive because I was there that Derrick Rose was on the upswing in terms of his, his play. I mean, this is kind of like, you're just kind of describing sports media and like most podcasts is just like the, yes. the people, humanity. whichever games people watch, they just talk about those games and think those players are better or worse depending on how they played on the one Saturday they watched them this week. Right. <laughs> so like, there's, we talk about Daryl Morey a lot, I think, I feel like on this podcast, but isn't that a Daryl Morey rule where Daryl Morey tries very hard to like not meet certain players before they, they sign? I don't Am know I if it is or up? isn't, but given who Daryl Morey is, I would be 0% surprised if that's a thing. <laughs> don't quote me on that, but I believe I, I believe I saw that Daryl Morey doesn't always like to keep because you get biased when you can meet some potential free agents or potential pro and like mm. not others. It's like this, you either want to give equal timing or like not. You know, this reminds me of Heifetz is um, and I've seen this like from a lot of NFL scouts, like just a general big picture scouting discussion like. You know, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl talks about this all the time. Like, it's very important for scouts to get out on the road, go watch these guys live. You get a different picture. You get a different, like, impression of what they look like, their body composition. Like, do they have huge, like, are they broad-shouldered or whatever? Like, and, uh, and like for instance, the Seahawks used to talk about, like, hand strength. And they put their hands on you. You know, like, what's it DK, feel like? DK says used to, but they did that literally like three years ago with Collier. That's not a used to. That's a I was leading of Collier. Thank you. This Pete is Carroll exactly had a what I was thinking off. of. Pete Carroll took a shirt off when DK Metcalf on was like, oh, flex. I think it, it's interesting because on one hand, I get it. Like, I think it does make sense. Like, you want to get and meet these guys and see them in person and see what they're like, what kind of athlete they are. But also, it's like so many bias traps there. Like, you know what I mean? The whole put their hand, like LJ Collier, First round pick for the Seahawks a couple of years ago. Literally can't get into a game. He can't get into a game on a team <laughs> with a bad player. defensive line. Uh, first round pick. <laughs> and it's, and the thing that they were like citing strong was hands, like, though. oh, strong hands. They put, he puts his hands on you and you can't move, blah, blah, blah. Like all this like sort of weird, you know, just yeah. basically scouting like bullshit. Um, but it's like, I don't know, like there's, it's a double-edged sword because I do understand it. And I think it is important to meet these guys and to get to know them and, and see them in real life and watch them play in real life. But there's so many traps there too. Well, I think that we've talked about this a lot where with quarterbacks, where we we're basically at this point where, look, we have a lot more numbers and we understand more about what matters and we have more data. We also deeply understand that whatever Joe Burrow just did for the Cincinnati Bengals matters. Culture matters like work ethic, mental, like having like a growth mindset, like your mentality. It's like at a certain point when you have the physical traits, the mental intangibles are actually more important to making it in a pro athlete in a world where people are coming for your job 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. The flip side is that when you go out in the world and try to like have takeaways, we usually take the wrong things away. <laughs> and like, even though we know those things matter, we can't, we are, really bad at like predicting who has them and who does not. And then we also get screwed up because outcomes actually screw us up all the time. Like the Rams mm -hmm. almost lost to the freaking Buccaneers because Cooper cup almost ran that, you know, if, if, if he doesn't make that throw to Cooper cup at the end of the game, the bucks lose the, the, the Rams beat the, sorry, the Rams lose to the bucks. If Jaquiski tart, the Niners safety doesn't just drop an arm punt from Stafford. The Niners would have gone to the Super Bowl. The Bengals almost won in the last drive. And yet we're like, oh, well, but the Rams, it's like every year we kind of get tripped up over the, the specific outcomes when it's like, honestly, there's a few teams that could win the Super Bowl every year. The Bills might have won. It, it, it's so we kind of just always get confused, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Anyway. With all that said, uh, 
The flip side is the Patriots. I think now that they have Devontae Parker, for better or worse, I feel like they're going to go defense now in the draft. They really need a cornerback. They let J.C. Jackson go to the Chargers. They have like no linebackers of note who could start for them, which is a pretty important position for Belichick. DK, I'm curious who you think the Patriots will go with at their picking 21st, I believe. Yeah, I think it's tough because if the, I think the Parker trade, if anything, just was a hedge that makes them not have to pick a receiver here, right? Like it's this is what a lot of teams do is like they'll sign a guy or trade for a guy who's not necessarily a superstar, but someone that they can win with. Um, you know, that year. And so it doesn't like pigeonhole them into taking a, p- a certain position. I think, I think linebacker is certainly a possibility. Devin Lloyd, Nicobe Dean, maybe Quay Walker. There's a couple guys I think fit sort of the, the Patriots mold. And all those guys that I mentioned, by the way, are kind of all different styles. And so I don't know exactly what they're going to like. Um, generally speaking, they've liked bigger guys that are really versatile. Um, so maybe that's Quay Walker. Maybe he's a surprise first round pick from Georgia. Um, and he's the first linebacker taken. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever because he's, you know, a one-year starter who kind of came on strong last year, played for the national champions, but he, you know, is less known, less famous than his own teammate, N'Kobe Dean, who is really, really fast and explosive, but very small. And I don't know if he fits necessarily their mold of what yeah. they're looking for. Agreed. So, yeah, that I think that's a very tough one to decide. And I've been going back and forth with it, with it on my mock drafts. It's like, what, who do I get this guy? Be like Devin Lloyd, who, um, you know, he, I think versatility wise he fits what they want to do i don't know if he's necessarily a patriots quote-unquote patriots linebacker though and i think nicobe dean is the other guy that i see a lot of people give to the patriots at that spot and he's like 511 220 something which doesn't really make sense to me in terms of what they like he's that's like opposite of what dante hightower is right so um I don't know. It's tough. I think they could still take a receiver, honestly. Um, Although I'm sure like a lot of fans probably hate that because they've just been so terrible at it in the past few years. But um, and I think the bottom line is, and I know I'm fencing here, but I think it just makes them so they don't have to take any one position. Yeah, I think, right. Devontae allows you to not take wide receiver in round one if it doesn't fall to you, but you still can if it does. Yeah. Uh, Linebackers potential. It'd be really interesting. Uh, who they take at linebacker is going to be really interesting because last year they had Juwan Bentley and Dante Hightower, two just absolute hammerhead sharks, two just nutcases on the football field. <laughs> yeah, and they they just let those like nobody played their linebackers the way the Patriots did because nobody employs guys like the Patriots do anymore. Like all oh, linebackers are be fast and cover. And the Patriots said, "Who are two two hundred and fifty pound just jackhammers?" We're just going to throw them at the offensive line, just psychopaths. And so they lose Hightower. They still have Bentley. If they want to find that second guy, it's really tough to in the early rounds because all the linebackers coming out now are like 235 and they need that guy to be like 250. That's Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin. That's Darian Beavers yep. out of Cincinnati. So they'd have to go middle round at that or they can go for a different type. And then offensive line. They lost so many offensive linemen this year. I think that it, that early offensive yeah. line should not be out of the realm of possibility, especially with no Dante Skarnecchia, their old offensive line coach in the building. He retired. And Skarnecchia was why you were drafting fifth round picks and making them into superstars, right? He ain't there anymore. So it's time to start maybe investing some early round picks at that, at that position. And, and I think offensive line interior or outside would make sense. All right. I think it's, I think it's time for America's favorite segment. There Two jargons and a lie. Yeah. yeah. All right. We have today. <laughs> <clears throat> no theme, but I tried once again to have good actual jargon so Craig doesn't yell at me. <laughs> One, hands like feet. Okay. Two, hot tub club. Three, <laughs> hot tub club. Hot, yeah, two, okay. hot tub club. A very delightful one. Three, uses his egg beaters. Okay, have, so two of, these are, two of these are real. One is fake. Wait, I love read them again. Hands like feet, hot tub club, uses his egg beaters. Uses his egg beaters. So uses his egg beaters. I know when people say egg beaters is like a like a water polo term, right? Or it's like a swimming term, right? You use your egg beaters to keep yourself swimming when you play water polo. It's your legs turning underwater. Is that right? It's actually not, a football term. He's not going to tell you. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of the water polo term. Oh, I, I had a couple of friends who played water polo in high school. And I think egg beaters is a thing. I, I'm sure we'll get emails. Correct me if yes. I'm wrong about that. Your high um, school had a water polo team? Yeah. What a California-ass thing. <laughs> I was thinking about breaking that down, yeah. By the way, a little callback here. George Karloftis, who we've been talking about uh, potentially mocking to the Eagles, was on the Greece national water polo team or, uh, under U16 or something when he was like 12 years old or 13 yep. years old. Wow. So he's a freak athlete. He uses athlete. egg beaters, man. He uses water egg polo players are, are ripped. Oh, yeah. Dude, Karloftis <laughs> I love is stories like, like that, though. I Karloftis love stories. is like one of the craziest athletes 
just the, the the stuff he does off the field to train is like insane. Go look it up. I could never get enough draft stories of guys who were playing like way, way above their age bracket, but also guys who were playing with other people above their age bracket. Like I always love that, like the two Upton brothers were playing with like David Wright and Ryan Zimmerman and like the little league team. And it's just, I always like that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. Loftus. I love that. So we yeah. have hands like feet, hot tub club. And what's the egg beaters one again? Uses his egg beaters. Uses I feel his like egg beaters. I egg think hot beaters- tub club is real. Is that like a Matt Leinart joke? What the hell? <laughs> what is what does hot tub club mean? I have no idea, but that's why I think it's real. Hot tub. It club. does sound so delightful, doesn't it? Hot tub club. Is this a move? Hot tub. The club. hot tub club, like a club move. Ooh. <laughs> oh, it's like a. <laughs> yeah. Do we want? Do we want definitions? No, no, no. no. I'm just. I'm okay. just trying to steer them astray. Hot tub club. Although, I I, just, to be honest, I don't know the answer. And then, I mean, uh, hands like feet, right? Is that the classic? He has shitty hands. I mean, I, yeah, I certainly don't <laughs> think there's another interpretation. So like, like poker face is pretty good. Yeah, he runs upside down. <laughs> handstand, just down the field. <laughs> ripping it. <laughs> Cartwheels. I, if, they could ca- if, if his feet were like hands, that could be really useful. And then I uses like his egg beaters. Egg beaters gotta be real. I feel like hands like feet, even if Solik says it's a lie, I could find people who've used that term. I know. So I think hands like feet has to be real. And if he says it's fake, I will Google it till I find it. And then <laughs> I think a hot tub club is fake. And if it's not, I, I can't even venture to guess what that would mean. But don't so you I'm think, not overthink Ben, it. unless he's a layer deeper than than I am now, in which case, congrats to you, Ben. We're like, it's it's such a ridiculous term. I can't imagine um, that it's that it's not real. We just got reverse psychology by DK like last like two episodes ago. I know, but I'm like, <laughs> how would you even think of Hot Tub Club? Like, I guess you're just like watching. We were watching Hot Tub Time Machine last night. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was just writing that. down rhymes. I was just rhyming <laughs> words, hoping to come up with something cool. I think hands like feet is fake. And then Josh Rosen also did the Hot Tub Club <laughs> thing. No, I think I think Hot Tub Club's fake. I'm locking that in. Finally, yeah, Hot Tub Club was, was made by Josh Rosen. Okay, so hyphen says Hot Tub Club. And Craig, you say hands like feet? Yeah, I'm going against the grain here. I'm picking like the 15 seed to beat the two seed. I'm saying hands What's like feet. What's it like to both be wrong, oh, losers? Oh, um, <laughs> so, what? hands like feet. Wow, he got them both. Wow, I love it. Hands Great. like feet is, as Craig said, it's drops. When a guy can't catch, he's got hands like feet. All right, just couldn't do it. Hot Tub Club is, uh, I not heard this one previously. I found it on a list. I can't wait for this one. Hot Tub Club is uh, the guys on the team who are consistently injured, right? The guys who just always have injury problems. <laughs> oh, so they're, no! always the, they're always in the hot tub or they're always in the ice bath. Oh, that right? is yeah. amazing. It was a literal hot tub. The hot Tub Club, oh. yep. I'm, we're adding that to the, the fantasy list of jargon we're using. Hot Tub Club is now there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so when, <laughs> right, when you're drafting Will Fuller in the 15th round as a flyer, oh like, God. listen, brothers in the Hot Tub Club, okay? You if can't you had trust. said Cold Tub Club, Saquon Barkley's like, the okay. captain of the Hot Tub Club. <laughs> there you go. Oh. Um, and then uses his egg beaters. Man, oh man. I If I had known Craig had water polo in his high school, I would have pulled <laughs> this one out so much earlier. But I also did know egg beaters as water polo jargon. Oh. And so I was like, oh, I'll just steal one from another sport and that'll be like a good fake, you know what I mean? Because it's obviously been used somewhere. And the moment Craig was like, well, egg beaters is a water polo thing. I was like, oh, I've got him. We're good. We're good. Um, I did not think that water polo esoteria would make it on the jargon. But yeah, you played that, that off really well. One. You really acted like you had not heard of that. I know. Yeah, no. Little devil. Yeah, you <laughs> suck. So like, that was this is a psychological game. Devil. Okay, it's not about what's on the page. It's about what's on the face. Play the man, not the cards. You baby faced, baby back. Uncle I baby Betty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby Betty. Also, I got to tell you guys, I googled hands like feet, and the first thing that came up on Google was hey, like I, they must have thought oh. I meant hand like feet, and Wikipedia entry for prehensile feet, which are. I'm not even going to, like, it's like monkey feet where you have, like, a thumb yeah. on your, it's, anyway, that's what came up, and it's horror, and I'm on this Wikipedia now, and I, I, I'm leaving because it's really disturbing. Anyway, uh, that let's was get really a, impressive song. Let's get a water polo, jar, two jargons, one line next, if anybody yeah. played who's listening. Yeah, email us oh, at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com if you have your own two jargons that lie. Please email us at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. We've gotten some incredible ones, including, I love this one that we just got. This one's from Andy. It's incredible. It's not quite jargon, but I'm letting it slide because it's so creative. Well, as we've learned, what we call jargon is Idioms. also not quite Loose, jargon. It's actually, so we're doing whatever we want. Iambic pentameter. These are Shakespeare quotes. Oh, God. That describe the NFL uh, season. Okay. Last year through the offseason. And two of them are real quotes from Shakespeare. And one of them is fake. And I love this. And I'm going to read them. And okay. you guys get it. Number one is Aaron. Where the... Oh, sorry. Oh, God. 
Aaron, wherefore lookest thou sad? Like, okay. wherefore lookest thou sad? Like, why why you look so sad, Aaron? Okay. Two is cousins. You know what you have to do. Oh, Kirk. Okay. Yeah. And three is those that were overthrown. From whence did they come? <laughs> okay. 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 So, so cousins, where did what well, you know what you have to do? Aaron, wherefore lookest thou sad? Did that ring a bell for you, uh, Solek? The what you know what you I have to do. I cannot emphasize how few bells are in my head to possibly be rung in the world of Shakespeare quotes. So it rang no bells for me. Cousins, but, you know what you have to do. That's like from I feel like that's real. That see that that seems real to me because <laughs> I think cousin, it's I think uh wherefore lookest thou sad? It's a fucking mouthful. What, what's I think the that's whence real. one? From whence did they come? Those that no, no, were no. It's, it's those who've been overthrown. From whence did they come? Those that were overthrown. From whence yeah. did they come? Yes, and I not think, whence I think, like W E N T Z. Spelled W H E N C E. It sounds like whence, which is hilarious. Whence did they come? Shakespeare just calling his shot five hundred years ago, man. Um, I think that was legit because like overthrown is like 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 a nation, like a castle. I think the Aaron one's fake. Yeah, I think Aaron is fake. Oh, okay, I see. This, these are actually exact quotes. Yes, you're right. I think so, too. All right. Consensus on Aaron. So I actually already saw the answer, but I also guessed Aaron. So we all went on Aaron, and that one is actually real. Mm. Dang. <laughs> what, what play is Aaron in? So I'm. Let me look it up right now. Let me. Uh, let me have it. Oh, <laughs> wait. It is cousins. You know what you have to do is like from Hamlet. I feel like or something. I don't know. So here are the answers. Aaron, wherefore lookest thou sad? Is from Titus Andronicus, Act oh, Two, Scene Three. Jesus. Okay. Cousins, you know what you have to do is from Much Ado About Nothing, Act One, Scene Two. And the <laughs> okay. lie. Wow. Is ah. those that were overthrown from whence did they came? Which makes this sense. This was. I don't think it's a brilliant I job. Him. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That was well done. I, got, I, I bought Overthrown Wentz for Klein and Sinker. I wanted that to be real so freaking bad. I, there is a pun in there, right? Wentz and Overthrowing? Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. Okay. That was really well done, Andy. Okay, emails at yeah. ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. You, don't all try to be Andy. Give us two jargons and a lie. Slangs, idioms, I don't know. Who I mean, you can try and be Andy. That That's tough to follow that one, though. I, I, I wouldn't follow it exactly. I would you know do your own thing. <laughs> Jargon, slang, idioms, water polo, whatever. Cousins, email us you know you two jargons to do. lie. Ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. Put two jargons to the lie in the email subject line so it's easier for us to find. I think that's all we got. DK has your NFL draft guide. It's updating this week with your big board, your mock mm-hmm. draft coming next week. NFLDraft.theringer.com. My team needs are there. They're updated for these trades we talked about today. Check that out. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Solak. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Billy Shakespeare. <laughs> Bill Shakespeare. Bill Shakespeare. Big Billy Shakes. <laughs> Billy Shakes. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Bedhead. Bedhead. Yeah. Do you know the song Golden Brown? No. It's like old classic. It's on the movie Snatch. Nothing. Hmm. Oh, I, I love it. Snatch, but I do not know the names of the song. It's Golden Brown. I think about the Snatch line about pigs so much about how he just feeds all the dead bodies to pigs i i you think about that that's daily. brilliant <laughs> I, every time i think about killing someone i'm like i could feed them to a pig. Wow, i think about okay. that with like dk and craig all the time mm. that is true yeah i don't know if i want to do the fantasy show with you this year but <laughs> i have a whole script idea for this craig we let's talk about it after the show you have a script idea for for the pig quote oh yeah yeah entirely based off the pigs from snatch literally a whole thing on it hi do you have a script i feel like you, you you should write a script i feel like you'd be a script guy <laughs> we'll do one together Okay. That's, all right. That sounds good. I got a couple in the whole series. You can't still like want nothing to do with any of this. Yeah. Uh, I've right. lost the thread. For the for that reason, I'm there. All right. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>